the machine that we were using, right? This machine was doing graphics, cameras, replay, and also streaming. Like <laughs> it's pretty much our own machine. <laughs> um, and so we hit that first stinger um, and it showed the two player images and it worked and, and like the crowd actually cheered. And then we showed stats and the crowd was like, oh, and they like kind of kind of cheered at the time. They were like, oh shit, it's stats. Like we got statistics, damn. Yeah. Um, and that was a really cool moment. And all those stats, none of that was was automatic. All of those were by hand. If you ever get a chance to talk to David, ask him how he literally went back and counted every single placement from every tournament up until that point and then maintained a spreadsheet for that. Welcome to episode 5 of Brahalla Origins. On this show, I interview notable members of the Brahalla community to talk to them about how they found Brahalla and progress to how involved they are with the community today. On today's episode, I interviewed Toast. He's currently the director of esports for Brahalla and is best known for his work on tournament and stream production for major Brahalla events. Brahalla Origins is presented by Brawl Academy. Brawl Academy will provide the most advanced and detailed Brahalla courses and coaching specifically meant for helping beginner level players get to Diamond. A small group will be allowed early access to Brawl Academy in late October, but if you want help quickly replay reviews and coaching are now available sign up over at brawlacademy.com for more info and with that on with the show toast welcome to brahala origins how are you doing today good thanks for having me on yeah no i've been really excited to talk to you ever since you agreed to come on the show so uh glad to have you here um let's go ahead and get started in um kind of what we do here is we talk about everyone's origin story kind of with Brahalla and where they came from and what they kind of have gone on to do uh, since they got into the community. So I guess we'll start at the beginning. Um, how did you find Brahalla? What, how did you end up getting into the game? Um, and what was, what was kind of the draw that got you to stick around? Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's fun. It was 2015 and I watched northern lion and his crew on the nlss play the game and they did a it, you know there was like a creator tournament or something we never got bald scarlet which is a bummer but like <laughs> uh we could still get bar bald scarlet that would be kind of sick but i saw that in 2015 the game was in closed beta and i was like that's this game looks fun um whatever and i kind of let it whatever kind of stitch i didn't end up playing it uh, and then when I went out into open beta, which was, by my memory, Thanksgiving of 2015, I want to say, sometime around November, um, I grabbed one of my friends and we started playing. We we're like, oh, this game's really fun. Hey, this is this is a really good time. And so we played doubles a lot. Um, and we just we we're just playing the game. We we even we hotspot hotspotted our laptops on a uh, college trip to Reno. Uh, don't ever go to Reno. It's not worth it. Um, <laughs> and we literally we played ranked, doubles ranked off of a 4G like phone hotspot for a while. Um, and that was fun. Um, and that's how it started. Is It really was. It was, hey, I found this from, from Twitch streamers that I liked, that I watched. They looked like they were having fun. Hey, it's open. We can get it now. It's free. The netcode is good. We can play together. And it scratches that itch of like, you know, I grew up playing Melee, I grew up playing 
Spanish, that sort of thing too. Not like going to locals or anything like that, but just like most folks did like in their basement with your friends in middle yeah. school and high school and elementary school. Like like that that was like how I grew up and that was the fighting games that I played. And it scratched that itch that I hadn't filled, right, for a number of years. You know, I basically tail end of high school, I just stopped playing really stopped playing a lot of video games and in, in college too. Like I was busy with college and like life. Um so I didn't really game a lot in college. And so when I got this, I was like, oh, this is this is great. It, it, it does what I wanted to do. It scratches that itch and it, it's fun. That's awesome. Um, so you eventually kind of went on to doing some streaming yourself, right? Kind of tell me, uh, were you streaming anything before Brawlhalla? Or was Brawlhalla like the first game you got into to streaming on Twitch with? What was kind of the... What started yeah. your streaming journey? It, it, it was Brawlhalla. Uh, okay, hold on. I mean, maybe it was Brawlhalla. It was a couple of things. I think I wanted to stream because it looked like fun. I had the tech for it. Um, but I think part of it was also... I, I was in college and I was like dabbling with, with just the idea of streaming. And I think mostly it ended up being Brawlhalla because it was something that was quick and easy to pick up, easy to play, and like it was fun. Um... But when I started, it was very touch and go, and a little bit here or there. Mm -hmm. um, I would stream my college house playing horror horror games. So it was me and my three roommates, and we would um, play, you know, third or eight scary games, and we would stream for like six hours just with a couple of room mics, um, and just kind of play through a game, and that was fun. And that was a lot of it, I think, uh, until I graduated, and then. You know, I moved back across the country to where I grew up again and moved back with my parents. And I was like, well, I need a job and <laughs> I have free time. <laughs> and this is something fun and content creation is fun. So let's do this. It actually started with a YouTube channel, okay. uh, which I still have. I'm not going to share that because <laughs> I was doing Let's Plays. I, I was even I was on the, I was on the Let's Play subreddit. I like collaborated with other like small let's play wannabes. Um, some of them maybe still doing it. I don't. I don't talk to them anymore. Um, and I did that for a while. And that's actually that's where it started is with that kind of content creation. And then I tried live streaming. And you know what it was. And it's still something I feel now is that the immediate feedback of a live stream worked so much better for my brain than mm. the amount of work that goes into post production for a YouTube channel. Like to do good YouTube content you know you need to edit you need to plan you know do all these things and you still need to do that with live streams but the the the, the feedback cycle is different and right. with live streaming that that immediate feedback cycle is like so much more the thing that just worked for me and so it was fun it was immediate and it just felt better so i kept on doing it yeah i get that um, i get that yeah. whenever i stream just like having people in chat to interact with it makes a big difference when you're when you're doing any kind of content i think and so yeah no i agree the 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 twitch streams they they tend to be a bit more fun like in the moment uh yeah. unless you're like a real big fan of like editing videos or or planning and, and those types of things and some people are so so the people who have the brains for that i mean power to them i am not <laughs> i don't have that brain um i can do it i've done it before but it's like I'm too impatient and I, if I 
don't feel like I'm making progress on a project, I will abandon it a mm. lot of the time if it's like a personal project. So I'll start something, I'll get really into it. And then after like 60% completion, after I've had a, a couple of games where I feel good about them, you know, I'm like, oh, I did the thing. Now I have to do these things. I won't do the next follow-up because I've already got the endorphin right. from starting that project. It's, it's a problem. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I very much relate to that too. Um, so your your journey through sort of like Brahalla kind of started with, okay, so you found the game. Uh, in closed beta you really started to kind of play it in open beta at some point you started kind of live streaming and then you also got involved in the community as a caster and was casting brahala tournaments as well about when did that start and kind of how did that transition happen like when did you kind of make that jump into casting games as well yeah um so it was after it was probably late 2016 early 2017 um, I had graduated college, came back, I was working two jobs. So one job as a teacher and then my other job, I was working for a symphony doing operations. And so I'd get home around six or seven and then I would hop online and I would stream for a couple hours, Brahalla ranked, that sort of thing. Um, and so as a Brahalla streamer, I, I had a little discord community and all of that. And I said, you know what I want to do, I want to do some tournaments. And in my head, I think the, I had the idea of like, look, if I just showed that I can do these really cool monthly tournaments or weekly tournaments or something, you know, it would be cool. Maybe the devs will shout us out or something, or I don't know. You know, I was young. You're hopeful at that, that age. Um, it worked out for me. I mean, in the long run, we'll get there, but <laughs> that's kind of how it started. And so I would stream on my channel, these tournaments that we would run very poorly at once. <laughs> Very, very, very poorly some of these tournaments were around. We had no idea what we were doing. But I would essentially, I would cast them while while streaming them because I didn't have casters. Um, or I did and they were community members. But, you know, you're kind of the all-in-one when you're starting out like that. I self, you know, I funded the prize pool myself. I did all of that myself um, and worked with kind of the Discord community we had, we had built to, to get those off the ground. And I had done that for a little while and I applied through a Discord forum Google form on Discord for Brawl League because they were like, we need casters. And I got a Brawl League raid at one point. Just, I was playing like doubles ranked or something. And someone asked about esports and, and I was like, yeah, I, I dropped an application to cast or something like that. And I don't remember, it might've been Antipop, it might've been Slosh, uh, but they were like, oh, what form? Oh, and then I think they checked it. And from there they were like, well, okay, we'll bring you in and we can have you do some stuff. And that's kind of what started it. Um, and it was really scuffed for a while. Uh, I, I have the story of <laughs> one of the first tournaments we did. We, one of our players DQ'd out in like top eight. And oh. to let someone else from the chat take their place. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. And I think. Honestly, I I think I don't remember, but there was a pro player who was I might have even been Boomy to be honest, who was just like, "What the fuck are you doing? Just, <laughs> this, you can't fucking do this." It might not have been Boomy, but that's the name that pops into my head. Um, and looking back, it's just so funny because it's like, why why would 
anyone think that's okay. But I think like it's if you don't come from a competitive background and you're not right. coming from that community, like you don't know until you know, and you're like, well, is this really that bad? And then you're like, oh, actually, yeah, this is pretty pretty awful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for for a small community tournament like that, is it really that bad? But I mean, if you're if you're concerned about tournament integrity, it's, yeah, it's pretty it's bad. It's pretty right? bad. It's, it's pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, there's money on the line, and oh, okay, actually true. I, I forgot yeah, about money. that. I mean, yeah, it was yeah. like a hundred bucks or fifty bucks or something, but like it, it's money's on the line, right? Like it's sure. There's like no context in which that's actually an okay thing to do. Yep, uh, yep, yep. It's pretty funny. <laughs> I think about that sometimes. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Um, you got pretty well known for your very distinctive kind of style of casting can you tell me a little bit about that and like like how, how did you kind of develop your casting style uh because it's a crutch oh, okay um, because casting the game casting any game but casting brahala right the easiest thing I think anyone can do when they're doing it, and this is what I did, um, because keep in mind, right, I was never more than a plat, plat player. Right? Sure. I still have never been diamond in eight years of the game. Um, I just play the game a lot, and mm. I streamed a lot. So I talked a lot about what I was doing in the game while I was streaming, and right. that was kind of a lot of the basis for it, because I wouldn't do like a play-by-play -play while I was streaming. I would still engage the chat, but that kind of um calling out what i was doing as i was doing it and acknowledging and like calling out just like what the opponent was doing kind of set the basis for that and so mm -hmm. that led to very like talk fast be excited and say things confidently and while i was doing it like you know i i, I was pretty good at, at calling out we had fewer legends way easier back then when you had like 20 <laughs> legends right yeah. um but it was a lot of that right and 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 i look back at it now and i'm like if you brought the peak toast from 2017 2018 to toast casting and put him into 2023 people would be like who who is this guy get him off the mic um and it, it it's true like i i think i didn't really have the game knowledge in order to do the storytelling part, which I think is the part that makes commentary actually interesting, right? Sure. Anyone can look and say, down air, side air, signature, signature, down air, side air, side air, expert, right? Like all of these things, and they can say them fast and do this play-by-play -play mm -hmm. thing. But taking it to the next step of like, what's the point? Why are you saying those things? Why sure. is that relevant, right? Um, is something that I don't think I ever actually did well. Um, and I think is a really hard skill um, to do. I think people just like me because... People are attracted to high energy because people feed off of high, like viewer, viewership. If, if someone is genuinely excited, they're going to feel that and they're going to absorb that. Right. Right. Um, and I, I think people criticize things less if, if, if they're looking at something where it is rejecting confidence. Right. And, and I think in those two things were the things that allowed me to, at the time, kind of establish myself um as as someone who was doing commentary just that i could talk fast and 
talk confidently and I was genuinely excited. That's one of the benefits. I'm bad at the game. I'm still bad at the game. <laughs> so when I see, and back then when I saw pro players do these things where I was like, how the hell did they do that? Yeah. Like it, it's genuine, like, oh shit, that's dope. Like that's really, really cool. Right. Um, and so that, that, that carries through. And I think that was a lot of, a lot of it. I think it's a, uh, I think it's really kind of a testament to how far kind of the landscape of casting in Brawlhalla in particular has come since the beginning. Because now we really do have these sort of like different levels of casters where you have good color casting, you have good storytelling, like this stuff didn't exist really kind of in Brawlhalla back in 2017, 2018. And it's, it's way better now than it used to be and and watching streams and having all of these stories kind of unfold as like a tournament progresses and you can see the casters that know all of these players and have watched them play for a long time be able to kind of talk about the things that they've done leading up to this event and like what it means for them to have the different levels of performance that each player has like it is it is something that's kind of evolved over the years kind of in brawlhalla and i think that's actually kind of a good segue <laughs> to talk about your involvement in production of events because at some point you kind of made the the transition from being behind the mic to behind the camera and kind of tell me how how that transition sort of took place like how did you start to get involved in more of the production side of things and uh kind of the beginning there yeah well it started with doing some tournament streaming for brawl league i mean that that's really where it started and back then if you were streaming a tournament all you had to do is you had two scenes in obs you had gameplay with scoreboard shout out to guy Wakor for you know making the the scoreboard tool that we all used for years um and then you had a scene that was your casters uh, and you probably did a discord call or um, a zoom call or something like that or a google google some sort of video call where you threw their webcams in and did a screen crop and there you go mm -hmm. and so literally maybe you had a third scene that was starting soon and thanks for watching if you were if you were fancy right but like literally that was tournament production it was casters game casters game mm -hmm. and that was boring um, and, and, and that was, I mean, honestly, like it, it, it was boring, uh, at the core of things, if you look at production today, it actually is basically the same thing. Uh, we've just made it more fancy, but we'll get that later. Uh, and, and so that's how it started. And I just started wanting to do things a little better, uh, because I was bored, right? I was like, this is something I'm doing. I'm getting paid for it. You know, a little bit of money is cool. I'm bored though. Like, how can we make this a more exciting task for the people who are doing production? Um, and so from there, I started doing more of these production things and I was lucky I was able to kind of like push a little bit more on what we were doing. Um, and nobody kind of complained or said anything bad about it. Um, and I just kind of ended up settling into that role a lot. Um, and finally it came to a head 2017, probably 2017, um, I was looking at what 
BMG was doing, and I was, I was angry. <laughs> <laughs> I was so frustrated uh, because what I was seeing them do, right? And at the time, you know, all my understanding of them was like, they're a company, right? They have resources, mm -hmm. they have money and an office and people and and all you know like you have this image of of a company when you have no idea when you i was young right you're like you, you think they have everything they have this infinite pool of resources and that they can do anything and everything they want um and so i looked at them and i was like this sucks like they their their instant replay solution they're trying doesn't work um like uh, we can do better i can do better i bet i can do better um which you know that, that, that was a big kind of motivating factor for me was trying to prove that with fewer resources, we could do more um, mm -hmm. and that we could be better. And so actually in 2017, I found BMix. Uh, we ran a Brawl League Brawl Ball tournament in the winter, in the off season. Um, and from that, I, I got the free version, which doesn't exist anymore. Um, it only did standard definition, so 40p. Oh wow! But I was able to use it because it came with a a, a tool that let you integrate socials to it, so we could grab like Twitter posts and and that sort of thing. And so from that, I was able to link that into OBS, do some cropping and stuff. It didn't look too bad at the time, so it was still a 1080 60 stream with a little 480p like lower third thing that we would pull in tweets and that sort of mm, stuff. And okay. that's where it started. And we started pushing from that. We found instant replay through that. We started building from that. Um, and that took us into 2018 where um, kind of things shifted a little bit where now Brawl League was more under myself, David and V. And we were running it a lot more um, mm. than we had been before, right? 2017 was really uh, kind of a transition year for everyone, I think. And from there, we just started pushing um, and doing more and and learning more and trying to just figure out, hey, how can we bring in elements that we're seeing in other games into this game and into this production? Um, I will, you know, I will shout out that we were able to do that be in part because I was working through <laughs> <laughs> and I had money. I was living at home. I had no real expenses. Like, right. privilege, but like, I have to acknowledge that having that privilege and having a little bit of bank that I could spend on a VMIX license that is my own, I still use it today, right? Mm -hmm. um, was a, a really big deal because it was the thing that gave us the tools to really push the envelope and go much, much farther um, than what we had been doing. Yeah. And so that's kind of like, that's where it started. I, it just kind of started from being bored and wanting to be better and wanting to be less bored and wanting to put on better shows and just looking and seeing and figuring out how good we could be. Uh, in 2018, we did all of the online tournaments for BMG. Uh, we had been doing that a little bit in 2017, but 2018, it was even more. So we were kind of the production team. So we did all our our Brawl League tournaments with the, the names of the puns. Mm -hmm. um, we never did Brawl Me Maybe, which I resent to this day. But... It was a missed opportunity. It's a missed opportunity. Thank you. <laughs> Everyone said it's past the point. It's not relevant anymore. 
No. Anyways. Missed missed opportunity. Missed opportunity. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Vindication. <laughs> <laughs> so at some point you transitioned from doing brawling stuff, doing some online stuff for BMG here and there. Kind of where in this timeline does uh, Bagel fit into things? 2019. Okay. Uh, so we had been running Brawl League for a while. Uh, and V and Lastic and myself, we got together one day. And, and this kind of happened at BCX in 2018. Uh, that's the BCX where we all got smoked out because the smoke kept pumping into the venue. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Great event. <laughs> Jim Hack. That was a Jim Hack one. Um, but we got together and we were chatting and we were like, hey, what if we what if we just asked if we could do the in-person stuff for BMG next year? What if what if we just, you know? And so half jokingly, I went to Foda one day and I said, Hey, we do all of the online stuff. What if we did what if we just did all of your offline stuff too? And he was like, Okay, sure. Um <laughs> Was it really that easy? <laughs> It was literally, it was that easy. It was like, oh, okay, <laughs> okay. Um, and it was a little bit like, all right, now we need to actually figure this out. We had no plan. We we had no idea what we were doing. Uh, and so we handed Brawl League off to Expired and his team. Um, and we created Bagel, which uh, is Bagel with two Gs, B-A-G-G-E-L, um, <laughs> uh, for a number of reasons. Um, what we called it and we sat down we figured out we said okay we're now the three of us we're going to figure out what we're going to do for Brahalla, how we're going to do all of their events and you know like what financially that means for us too um and so we made bagel a real company uh and we we had our first event which is final rounds in 2019 and so for this to happen we needed to be on land and the transition to go from an online tournament to an in-person tournament on the production level is way, way different. They are just completely different beasts. You can do online stuff all day. And the minute you take into the real world, there are growing pains. I mean, it is really a completely different challenge. Plus the moment that you have to deal with, it's a lot easier nowadays in 2023, so the moment that you start dealing with high refresh rate monitors and capturing mm -hmm. those, splitting those, it actually becomes a big problem because uh, 144 hertz is not a standard. Like it's not a broadcast standard. So you don't have a lot of gear out there that really handles that sort of signal. Um, and if you look at just the raw data rates, right? Like a, a 1080p 60 frame per second, 60 FPS uh, feed is three gigabits. You know, like that's a lot it's a lot of data right. um you're more than doubling that to get 144 frames and now we're up to 240. so you think about that that kind of tooling is really expensive mm -hmm. and also is niche and doesn't exist especially at that time um and so we're lucky in that Foda had already kind of figured out a way to get around some of that with um the, the, she had this box we still have it that just that splits display monitor uh display ports but, but DisplayPort as a technology isn't designed to be split really. And so it, it was kind of buggy and like you you had to like 
spin around three times, clap twice, and like pray that it will work today. And, and, and sometimes it would. And then we would take one HDMI feed out of the machine at 60 hertz using Windows mirroring. Um, that's why in 2019, you'd have things like, oh, the monitor flickered mm. on, on stage, that sort of thing. Right. Um, but that transition, what I'm trying to get to, is really difficult. And so we, we had a budget of um, just under, I think, $3,000 for final rounds to get everything together and figure out everything out. Um, and also, that's what we would also like. That was to cover any investment into gear we had and also whatever we were going to get paid out of the event with. Um, that does not sound like a lot of money. Um, it's not, but we made it work. So I had a computer. I think my production computer, I managed to like get it into a smaller case. I went on eBay and I found uh, a capture card with eight inputs, uh, bidirectional, so they could be inputs or outputs. Uh, that normally retails for three thousand dollars and i was able to get it for under a thousand dollars um and that was a big save you, you could get a brand new one from a different company for a thousand dollars but you're looking at like a feature set difference and we were thinking like maybe this this gamble could pay out for us in the long run um if we get a better better piece of gear that will be more high quality or whatever um and so i did that we put it in i had my personal uh gh4 um like camera video camera and then we bought they were the crazy fire hds they were 90 dollars cameras on amazon that had a, a sdi output on them like basically like little tiny um security cameras almost like really really small you had to manually focus them the colors were terrible just all sorts of garbage with them um but we managed to make it work we got everything and, and we got it together and we built our graphics package and we had all of these dreams and hopes uh, and we got the final round and we showed up and we, we set up, uh, you know, on the stage, we put up our little player cameras. Um, we, we put up our, our big wide shot camera in the back to show the full stage. And we built these graphics that, you know, we came into the year. This was also when we created stats, right? This is the first time that Brahala had stats in a broadcast. Um, and we did a lot of things, right? We, we took green screen pictures of players and we put them into for top eight, because top eight was right on Sunday, which is still something we do today, right? We, we literally green screened pictures of the players in top eight, cut them out and built them into our singer transitions. We, we grabbed some footage from like old Brahala trailers and we like did a really poor job keying out the flaming logo. <laughs> um, and we did this all like we just like didn't sleep that weekend like really it was like 2 a.m and people were playing in the arcade and we were just like no we're working with we got all this stuff to do and and we got it and the machine that we were using right this machine was doing graphics cameras replay and also streaming like <laughs> pretty much our own machine <laughs> um and so we hit that first stinger um and it showed the two player images and it worked and, and like the crowd actually cheered. And then we showed stats and the crowd was like, oh, and they like kind of kind of cheered at the time. They were like, oh, shit, stats. Like we got statistics. Damn. Yeah. Um, and that was a really cool moment. And all those stats, none of that was was automatic. All of those were by hand. If you ever get a chance to talk to David, ask him how he literally went back and counted every single placement from every tournament up until that point and then maintained a spreadsheet for that shit oh wow um, yeah it's it's the, the the that's that's his story to tell but yeah the data stuff is crazy um 
But there we are at that event, right? Friday's great. Saturday works. Halfway through Saturday. Halfway through Saturday. This eight port capture card, right? You've got four on top, four on bottom. Four of them on top died. So oh, no. we only had four, right? And when you think about it, uh, they're bi-directional. So one of them is an output. So one of them is the thing that's actually feeding the, the projector. Um, one of them is taking your gameplay input. And then you have two. So the most we could do was take in really one extra camera. Um, and so we ended up pivoting. And for the player cam, if you go back at the footage, you can see it. Uh, for the player cameras, starting Saturday, and uh, I don't know if I fixed it for Sunday, but we ended up taking our wide stage shot and just cropped it a couple times. And that was the player cameras that we used on that oh, broadcast. Wow. Um, we got it fixed. We used that card. I still have it. Um, it's actually about to go into another machine as soon as the new motherboard gets here on Monday. Um, so it was a good purchase. We got it fixed. It broke again six months, seven months later, but I only need four inputs. So, <laughs> But that's how it started, and that's kind of how it went. And each LAN that we ended up doing, we looked at what we did at the previous one, and we figured out what we needed to change to do better, what gear we needed to buy, um, and and you know, like what extra things we could add. And we tried a lot of stuff that didn't work. Um, I think it was a, a Dallas, or heck Dallas, we tried doing, we called them Bagel Bites, where we got the players who were going to go into top eight and we grabbed them backstage to get them to talk shit about each other and like do like little mini interviews that we could then take and throw up before their matches on, you know, Sunday on, on finals day. And that didn't work. Like all the files got corrupted and we were like, well, okay, that sucks. We just oh. wasted everyone's time. Um, but like that was, that was, you know, it was there. Or we'd have times where for whatever reason, all of the audio just broke. There was no audio and it didn't work. And we were like, what's happening? And we'd have to restart the stream and restart the machines. And you, you have all these single points of failure and you're like, well, this needs to split. And so one of the first things we did, we, we, I built another machine, uh, mostly on personal parts um, that we brought with us and that was our render machine. And so we would actually take an NDI feed from our vMix machine, send it over to an OBS instance on another computer, and then that would stream it. And that helped make things a lot better. And then, um, oh man, there, there were, there's so, 2019 was great. We did so many things wrong and we did few things right um it was a good time though i couldn't I mean, do it again i mean we were working full-time jobs <laughs> it's i mean the the level of like effort and polish that kind of goes into these events just gets better and better over time and like you you talk about doing a lot of stuff wrong in the beginning but you still put on a great show i think back then um and and it's only gotten better kind of as time has gone on yeah i mean thanks thanks thank you for saying that uh i think a lot of the value is one we did it together we were a team it wasn't just me it was it was b and it was left like they were critical 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 to making things work mm -hmm. um and then it was just a lot of work and a lot of like hopes and dreams and um it was fun we got to travel we got to do cool things and uh i mean we didn't sleep you know we, we'd get in thursday thursday morning sometimes wednesday day uh we'd go out in the city we would film b-roll of the city 
take it back, edit the B-roll up into those starting soon packages that you used to see with the chops of the city. Um, and then Thursday we would, all of the setup would, would happen. Um, you know, we get on our the knees crawling under stages and stuff, running cables. I had this big green duffel bag that just everything. I'm going to send you the, remind me to send you this picture later. I have a picture of, I would travel with five suitcases, six suitcases with like 250 pounds of gear every time we would do one of these things. Wow. Um, something like that. And David had a couple suitcases himself too. Uh, and that's, that's how we would do it. And to make it cheaper, we made media badges. Um, we're a, le we're, we're a legitimate media company, so it's okay. But <laughs> I went on to this like ID badge creator website and I made a, a badge for myself with a photo and a barcode. And if you looked at the barcode numbers, it said zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. <laughs> uh, but that was enough that, that we would get the better deal going on flights and flying everywhere with all of our stuff. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it, it really was a good year for us. We still did the onlines, we did the offlines, um, and we did a good enough job that they were like, well, okay, we'll keep you going and we'll give you a little bit more money um, next year. And, and then 2020 happened yeah. uh, and COVID happened. And, you know, we were all in Orlando for that one, uh, for when that happened. You were there, weren't you? I ended up were not you? coming out to Dreamland because of COVID. But I'm local to the area. I could have been there, but yeah. That was a fun event. It was Thursday night, I think. No, it was Wednesday at like 2 a.m. I had just, or maybe it was Thursday. I don't know. I had taken days off of work. Um, and we were having a beer, like a Wawa. We got like beer from a Wawa's or something, which you can do in Florida. You can't do that in Massachusetts. <laughs> um and we were sitting there catching up, me, V, and David. Um, and we looked at Twitter. And that's how we found out the event got canceled. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, we're here. We were like, what? What? What's yeah. happening? Um, but like for that event, we had so much planned. We, I still have the footage. We literally, we did a media day with the players where I have footage of like 12 to 15 players and FOTA talking about what they were looking forward to in 2020, the mm -hmm. 240 hertz monitors, or maybe they were 140 hertz. At, there were probably 144 hertz at that time. Maybe. No, there were 240. That was, those were the Omen, the Omen, the HP Omen monitors. Yeah, I remember, I remember when that, that transition kind of got hyped and then everything went to COVID. So, I mean, I actually think it's pretty good Silver lining is that I think that the system that we had come up with to capture the 240 hertz monitors would have actually failed um, in practice. Interesting. Our testing showed that it worked, uh, but I I think and I, I feel I feel pretty confident that it would have worked until things got warm, and then it would have not worked, mm, okay. or it would have worked. And the players would have noticed that it was impacting frame rate. Gotcha. Um, and I don't know that for sure, but we've done similar, we've tried similar things since uh, on some of these charity streams too. We've done similar things and I, it's not a one-to-one, -one, but it's close enough that there's part of me that feels like it wouldn't have been the, the final solution for this system. Gotcha. So, silver lining. 
Um, yeah. And then we do 2020. Always VMix. The big, big, one of the big things for us was realizing we could hire other people. Um, you know, that we didn't have to do it all, just the three of us. Mm -hmm. And that's when we got Durga involved and Expired involved. Um, Zerga still does replay for us. Uh, re replays all this coming weekend for Autumn Doubles. That's going to be Zerga. Zerga did week, uh, Friday night and Sunday night last weekend for singles. Um, and it's, we started hiring Throne in 2021, I want to say. 2020 was, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So I'm kind of going on and on and on. So I'll uh, shut up. No, 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 no. That's that's fine. That's fine. It's it's great. It's all great information. Love hearing all of it. Um, so at some point, you guys transitioned from Bagel to actually working directly for BMG, right? Mm -hmm. So what was kind of the what was the, kind of the genesis for that transition and um. Is Bagel still a thing today? Will it still be a thing in the future? Like, what's what's kind of the 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 plan there? Yeah, Bagel is not a thing anymore. We we closed the company officially. Uh, it made taxes really difficult for a few years. Yeah. Um. So what happened was David got hired first. Lustig got hired first, mm -hmm. uh, and he kept on working for Bagel, um, which I think worked really well because it meant that we had someone who had more direct contact when we had questions but i think it also worked really well because david is really good at um we never had for knowledge of anything coming down the line um even when david was with us like our our amount that we knew about the game and what was planned in development and coming up was the exact same after he got hired as before he got hired which is to say that he's really he was really good at not um letting this being in the like a a third party and also a first party thing change anything in the dynamic or or really impact the business at all he was good at keeping um, that, that separation was really yes exactly yeah. thank you and so that was really good for us and he started and I had a career in education, which is what I wanted to do for a living. That's what I went to school for. It's what my mm -hmm. degree is in. Um, and so for me, I was like, this is still fun. And because this is fun and because the money is starting to get actually decent on top of what I'm making in my full-time job, you know, I can keep doing this because I, I don't need this, right? I don't, I did not need bagel. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a full-time job. I had a career path. I had a, all of these things um and i yeah i mean that was that was bagel was like that for a couple of years david got hired i want to say in 2020 uh he got hired in 2020 so he was there for quite a bit longer than than i've been now um it, it really for me what happened what happened was i hit a point during covid 2021 and COVID and education as I'm sure you know is not a fun mix yeah um, and I loved my job and I loved my team but there were days where I would take my lunch break and go sit in my car and just put my head in my lap and just like 
disassociate for an hour and then come back and keep working. Um, it got so bad to the point where I would get an email after hours and the, the anxiety would just skyrocket. Um, you know, uh, it was just, it was bad. You know, I've, I've done COVID tracing because of that. I've, you know, your customer service at the time I wasn't doing teaching. I was doing community management and programs, um, like running programs for before and after school and that sort of thing. Um, and it was just a lot and it was a year of a lot, right? We'd already been in COVID for over a year at that point. I just, I was like, I hit a point, man. And I was like, I can't do this. This is not worth it. I'm not feeling, I'm not happy. Like I'm not healthy. Like I'm just always like, it always feels bad. Everything feels bad. This feels mm -hmm. bad. <laughs> um, and so I went to Foda and I was like, okay, it's time uh because he had he had tried they, they had tried a couple times before in the past and for me what was I, I said no it wasn't like an official offer but it was like a, hey should you you know be interested that sort of thing and right um a lot of it for me was that at the time teaching and education was my thing right that was what i wanted to do that was what i foresaw myself doing for 30 40 50 years right right um And I think also when you've kind of invested all that time into something, coming to the realization and, and emotionally becoming okay with the idea of like, oh, maybe this isn't it. I think that that's a, that's a, that's a journey, you know, that takes time. Yeah. Um, and for me, the, the catalyst for that really was, wow, I'm, I'm probably only ever going to make shit money. Um, and I live in a high cost of living area. And I am always tired and I don't have time to do free things. And I don't even get summers off because I'm admin and I don't even, you know, I don't get admin. I don't get like the teacher schedule mm -hmm. and parents are sometimes lovely, but sometimes they just go after you for blood and COVID and administration and everything. It was just too much. And I was like, I have enjoyed doing this production stuff and this casting stuff and this video game stuff at that point for like three or four years. And mm. I was like, well, that's a pretty big constant to enjoy. Let's try this. Um, and that was in 2021 in, in, in August of 2021 is when I got hired at BMG. Uh, and I was remote for the rest of that year. And I moved down here in 2022 in January. But when I got hired, it was basically like, look, two out of three of us were, were hired. There's no, like, you can't run a company where the majority of the employees work for the other company and are paying, the, you know, like, yeah, it, it, it's weird and it gets double dippy and like, it's probably like illegal. There's a, like, it's probably a bunch of stuff there where it's like, well, maybe this is just really weird. And like, it's, it's probably, maybe it's not illegal, but it's probably not good practice and that sort sure. of thing. So we, we closed that bagel at that point. Um, I mean, it's still roughly the same team running things, but like bagel as a company ceases to exist. Uh, we still have our, our Twitch channel and, um, when things ease up and we have free time again, uh, which is never, um, I really would love to just do some freelance stuff on Bagel again, just, just for fun. Um, mm. I did some Valorant stuff at one point in, in 2021, 
say in 2021, and we did some stuff for Super Auto, uh, Super Animal Royale. Yep. Um, and we did the Mario Kart thing once. Like all of those things are fun because they push the skill set in different directions, right? Because the the challenge with Brahala, and then I think the fun thing with Brahala, or with anyone who's doing just one game, is you run up against the idea of like, what can I do now? Like, what else can mm -hmm. I add? I've done all that I can do. You know, what's next? And that's a that's a really challenging thing, but it's also a fun challenge in that you, you don't the gains you get are smaller now than you did when when you when you switched to new games. It's like new it's you know, new things that you have so many objectives you can get quickly and things to learn. And then something you've been doing for six years, you have to keep looking at it and, and looking at the small things and thinking, is this okay? How can I make this better? Can I iterate right. on this? Is this going to be a, a cool thing? And that's kind of the challenge. So again, I think I went off topic there, but. No, that's fine. That's fine. This has been great. Um... One thing that I like to ask people, and you kind of already talked about this a little bit earlier, which was uh, kind of your your progression in the game itself, and like where where you learned how to play the game. Was it just from just playing? Did you look at like resources online, like guides or or anything like that? And then like you mentioned that your highest rank was uh, plat. Yeah, I think I broke seventeen hundred at one point. And I think that's my record still. Oh, wow. And like season one or season zero or something. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mostly just played the game. Uh, I watched a couple of Dobrain's videos. Mm -hmm. um, that was it, really. Uh, nothing nothing crazy like that. I just kind of, I just played the game. I played ranked. <laughs> I would just hop on the ladder and I'd be like, I'm going to play ranked today. Um, nice. that, was, that was it. Um I do want to call out just with everything I've talked about that getting to now has been the result of yes, a lot of hard work, mm -hmm. but it, it is literally impossible to have gotten to here without having an amazing group of people uh, doing that work with me and supporting and, and kind of on that same path. Right. And, right. and many people who I haven't, named so far and then also just honestly having a lot of luck right just like being in the right place at the right time yeah um and and like that's i i think it's just important to acknowledge those things and 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 more than that like having the ability in my life to do those things in 2017 photo messaged me the week before summer championship was like hey boston's not that far from atlanta you want to come down and i was like sure and i thought they were going to buy me a flight and he was like no i thought you could drive and so i was able to drive 21 hours to do that event and drive back 21 hours right and oh, like wow. i can't deny that i you know that that kind of being able to do that right be like hey i'm here unpaid i'm here i'm a homie i'm down to i'm like i'm down to be down to do stuff and, mm -hmm. and cool stuff right like i at that point like i didn't all i I didn't even think I had a job I had to take out off to do that. I think it was in the summer. So I was lucky enough to have that context to be able to do that, right? And Yeah, not a lot of people are able to do that, like be able to, in the moment, at 
short notice drive 21 hours from one place you to have another. to have a car you have to have yeah. the finances and the backing not to be able to to take time off of work if you have a job you know like yeah i i like i can't talk about this path without acknowledging that i have been incredibly lucky and fortunate to have access to the tools and resources mm -hmm. and background that i have i have had all my life to to be there because I, I i think that that is important to acknowledge right it's like sure for what it's worth you know just, no i agree i agree it's, <laughs> it's been uh it's also been interesting watching um and you might have some good insight on this because we just had him on the show last week um sandwick kind of come up on the uh the production side of things and uh the the work that he's put in to make sort of like the insig tournaments better and i know that um he is doing some work for bmg now too and there is something to be said for like doing hard work in like an interesting way to make things better for like the community uh mm -hmm. make things easier for the people involved with like the development or the production like all of these things are also like ways paths to to getting more involved in these things too right absolutely i i i think too i like to look at the numbers it's something i, I would say roughly a quarter of the employees all came from the community right mm -hmm. like salaried full-time bmg staff are are probably about 25 percent of them were community members first um and i think even like even with sandwich like he's doing video stuff for us now which is sick but like I he runs most side streams for for broadcast and with him too like what's really cool is that he, he it's like he enjoys it right yeah and that's I think really important um and that's something that I I like you need to enjoy the thing that you're investing your time into otherwise it's not worth it for you right like right and that's the there's a trap there with with any kind of community management uh or like not like official community management but like running a community or taking a a structural role in a hobby or something like that right it's like it's very easy to get wrapped up in I'm an important cog in this machine. And so I have to keep doing this mm -hmm. because there's no one else to do this. And you kind of can very quickly lose sight of, Hey, I did this because I love this. You know, I did this because I like it. Right. Um, and I, I think that's a really, really like important thing that people should never lose sight of is like, you do a thing because you like it. And if you don't like it, stop doing it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, especially if it's a hobby or if it's like something you're doing for fun initially, like yeah, there, there's a grind set mentality. I think that a lot of people take with, with, with like hobbies and stuff. And I'm like, no, just, just have fun. Like engage yeah. with it to the amount that feels healthy for you to engage with. And then let that be a spectrum. You don't always have to be 110% all of the time. And that's mm -hmm. okay. I, you got me on a soapbox. Anyways, <laughs> I, I mean to say that like, uh 
exactly what you're saying. Like people who are active and building and excited and doing all these really cool things in the community, like that's so important. And like that, that's like, that is seen, I think, um, by a lot of folks. I see it, Lustig sees it. Like we, we all kind of see that. And at least on the production side, I look for the folks who are doing the production on community tournaments. Mm. And what I want to see for me specifically is what are they doing that's different? Um, mm. What are they doing that is better? Or what are they trying that maybe it doesn't work, but they're trying something. Um, and it's in this weird position where the official stuff kind of sets a standard and folks try to meet that standard. And I kind of hate that because I want to look at the community events and I want to see some idea out there that's so cool that I'm going to be like, I'm doing that. I'm feeling that. Like that, that to me is like the magic right there. And that's what I wish um, we saw more of, but even that, like, the, like you're saying, the quality of the stuff is so high lately and, and people are doing a really good job, but um, what what's the point I'm trying to make here? I think do cool things <laughs> and do cool things just to do cool things. And yeah. they don't have to be like uh, a copy of other things, right? Like, I, even if it doesn't work. I think a good point here is that um, the official stuff is high enough quality at this point that it's difficult for a community stream to kind of meet that bar. And so if you want to differentiate, kind of differentiate yourself like as a community event, you should be looking for like more interesting ways that you can play against a different way of doing things to, to get attention rather than trying to meet the very high bar that the, the official streams have kind of set. Well, I'll tell you what what the area that folks can do that in, right? And 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 where where that lives, right? Because the official streams have resources, which is always an incredible tool, right? If you have resources mm -hmm. to get tech or to to hire someone to design or hire, like that's that like that is a very significant thing. The area that almost everyone is lacking, including the mainstream, right? Including us, is in the storytelling in the scope of who these players are and highlighting the players in in a deeper fashion right if you look at and part of it is because we're a fighting game and fighting game is a lot of show the gameplay go 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 game now sure. game now, game yeah, now. Yeah, stop yeah. talking uh even just recently we had a you know there's people are feeling like why do they do a pre-show why is there a 30 minute timer like let yeah. let the process happen right? right like this this is really important uh because things like the pre-show set up a storyline they set up a basis and they create a intro point for new viewers and an intro point yep. for people who aren't living and breathing twitter and discord and that sort of thing but more than that like if you watch any traditional sport or you watch uh rocket league or valorant or csgo or anything like that what they do really well is they look at the team where they look at the player and you get a really good idea for who that player is, why this tournament is important for that player, um, what their path through that bracket has been. And so that kind of more produced storyline, right? Because our casters do a phenomenal job of talking about the storyline and building that up. But it's like, what is the production doing to support 
support that storyline. Mm-hmm. That's something that I don't think you need a lot of resources on a technical level to do, right? It, it can be as simple as, hey, pro player, get in the call with me. Let's talk about how you're feeling about this bracket and record it, cut it up a little bit and and throw that out there. That kind of content insert is like, even if everything else about the stream quality-wise is shit, and you're bringing in that player perspective or that player idea, or you're putting them up there and, and kind of like using their brand or leveraging their brand or highlighting their brand or something interesting about them. I think that makes the broadcast so much more interesting. Mm-hmm. And that's something I think community could do really, really well because a lot of these community orgs are running these community tournaments. And so it's like the people who run the org are best friends with the pro players themselves. So I'm like, just connect yeah. the dots and do the thing really well. And even if it's, sucks like it's still really going to be really cool um right. and that, that that's an area where i'm like mainstream should be doing more of it we're not <laughs> nice maybe something to look forward to for next year i have some ideas okay okay um we we have some ideas 2024 is a if if everything that's in here and has been planned out with the team happens i think it'll be a good year nice Nice. Well, we're coming up on BCX, and BCX always the biggest event of the year for Brawlhalla. I mean, it's the Brawlhalla World Championship. Um, last year was crazy, like absolutely gangbusters, phenomenal event, like best Brawlhalla event I've ever been a part of. I I was like hats off to you, the team, everyone. Like, was an amazing event. Obviously, you can't leak anything about, like, special stuff that might be happening at the event. But as far as, like, scale for for BCX, are we, are we thinking, like, similar to last year? Are you guys yeah. trying to do anything bigger? Will it be crazier? Like, what's what's kind of the, the game plan for BCX this year? So, the idea has always been refine 2022 so 2022 is meant to kind of feel like a baseline so this should be better okay it should be it should be it's it, you know same venue um same same space uh the stage is going to look different it's a different different design to the stage layout which I, i'm pretty excited um side stream has a different uh design too and we are you know we've upgraded that a little bit so the viewing experience should be better for the folks there because you just Sometimes, you know, we yeah. had huge crowds over there and sometimes you get huge crowds over on main stage, which is cool. Uh, I can say that most of the stuff that people liked about BCX 2022 should be making a return. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, no, it's going to be a great event. I am, I'm honestly very truly excited. This is people have been working on this since like basically since February. So it, it should be pretty good. Wow. Uh, like, what can I share? Is there anything I can share about the event? I mean, honestly, it's like, it's going to be BCX. You're going to show yeah. and be like, wow, this event is is sick AF and all my friends are here. It's going to be dope. And uh, we, you guys talked about it on your podcast the other night. Um, but we, we, we did get a hotel block, which was a, a big challenge this year. Yeah, um, It was something we've been trying to get for actually quite some time. But because of the, the Atlanta Braves, world series and it, it's almost certainly looking like it's going to happen yeah. uh, it's it's tough to get hotels because a lot of folks will be here for those for those games it's like in the same area too but um the hotel we got 
$109 a night is is good. It's good in general. <laughs> yeah, that's good, that's good actually area, that's actually kind of a crazy price considering the event going on around VCX as well. So yeah, so we're we're excited to have that. It's a it's about a 15 20 minute walk, um, according to Google from the venue. But okay, um, it's Georgia, so it's not exactly like it's going to be freezing. And folks, we're yeah. looking at seeing if we can do some shuttle stuff. No promises. Again, it's. it's lots of logistics to kind of figure out there but yep. yeah we're just trying to get get more folks to show up um it was great last year and uh this year is going to be even better nice. uh we're, we've been finalizing the, the competitive format um we're not doing any funky brackets this year so last year i don't even remember we were going to do a really cool twist style like double swiss into a double elimination type bracket like it mm. was it was complicated um, but it was going to be the thing that got people the most gameplay. Right. Uh, right. Our, our thing last year was like, how do we do this in a way where we get uh, people who show up and go, oh, to, to be able to play more. Um, that was kind of the point of Waterfall was, back in the day, too. Yeah, but Waterfall was too much. For, yeah, like, yeah. Everybody. It was, Every, it everybody was ended up playing like 10 games or something crazy. I feel like every couple of years we'll see a pro player be like, ah, oh, Waterfall was was great. It was actually pretty good. And then I look at that and I'm like, you don't remember, I remember. how you felt. I remember. And I'm like, it, it, Waterfall was a lot. It was, it was cool, a lot, but it was a lot. You know? It was fun to play though. Like in the moment when you're there, actually getting to play more than like, right. a couple of sets is nice. So I, 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 I agree with like that sentiment of like, how do we get people to have the ability to play more? And feel like they were like a bigger part of the tournament right uh, yeah and the limiting factor comes down to setup um mm -hmm. and, and this is this is a tricky thing so we are uh, okay i'm gonna tell you some stuff about bcx um okay because we're talking about it don't, i don't think don't, it's gonna don't, change don't leak too much but and uh here's me putting on the hat that says anything can and will change um but it, it, it it's, we're, it's like we're a, it's like a dev stream at this point we've got the umbrella it's a little bit like a dev stream i'm I'm leaking some stuff so and maybe this will be published by the time this episode comes out soon <laughs> <laughs> um as it stands we're it's it should be best of five all the way through the bracket okay um uh the the caveat to that and the kind of the concession that we have to make for that the, the big concession that we have to make for that is that round one or phase one potentially um, will if we're singles will be split screen, mm, um, okay. which uh, again looking at it it's like uh, it's a trade off and it's a hard decision to make because mm -hmm. obviously you want what I would like to say is I have enough machines and monitors to have everyone on on together right, uh, but. It, monitors are expensive and mm -hmm. the machines that we run on are expensive and the problem we run into is that unfortunately for something to be the most com in competitive integrity event all setups have to be identical mm -hmm. so it's not even like i can pull in the 2020 nook that we were going to run for the 2020 year and and supplement with those because they're different they visually they look identical um but the processors and the gpus on the inside are different 
And so the last thing that I want for any player, right, for any competitor in any esport really is to say, I, for them to say, I lost because of external factors. Right. If you lose, you should lose because you suck. <laughs> uh, that was mean. If you lose, you should lose because your opponent was better than you. And that should be it, right? right? Like that's, that's the ultimate goal. And, and that's the pinnacle is like, everything is the same. So the only thing that is being tested is fighter versus fighter yeah you know like fighter skill exactly and so that's a tricky thing because we have um we have 85 setups uh and we, we can't deploy all 85 setups because we have to hold a few back for uh for swaps mm -hmm. um and so it's just a tricky thing right like especially at an event like bcx where we're gonna sell out of competitor like there's a limit there's a there is a limit I'll, right now like i'll tell you it's not on star gg but once that number goes above 700 we're probably gonna have to find a cap um shortly after that to put on it because we, we simply don't have the time um to do it all right it's like those are the two factors you have physical setups which are a huge investment in money like financially right but also mm -hmm. in setup time breakdown time maintenance and uh you know and, and and kind of making sure they're identical like even as it is like we've used some of those nooks for other things this year every nook of our 85 nooks that's going to be used for competitive is going to get re-imaged and reset up before bcx and that takes a long time we can't just hook them up into one switch and do like the magic windows thing for some reason mm -hmm. um there's a there's a good reason why we can't do it but there's a lot of that that goes in. And so it's this balance. It's like, if we can make BCX four days, but then you're looking at paying uh, a fourth day of staffing, you're looking at paying a fourth day of stream. Um, you're looking at paying a fourth day of venue. Uh, and you're probably shifting your setup days to be earlier. So you're just adding in a lot more overhead there. You're also making um, it more difficult for the um, attendees with travel. And, yep. Yeah. We, are, we, we still trend young. So folks are in school. Yep. Folks are in college. Folks have job. Well, having job is not a young or old thing. It's <laughs> um, and so it's it's there's a lot of stuff that goes into these like how we do the tournament schedule and how we approach uh, events because um, it is it is a weird balance of like best in person experience mm -hmm. actually fits inside of a budget. Um, actually fits inside the resources we have available and and so on and so forth and it's a bit tricky um and i would like eventually for bcx to be something where at least the first round or two is not a double elimination you go o2 and you're done right that's not this year <laughs> um there's actually like part of my plan for bcx this year is i want to grab a, i'm going to grab a couple of other uh small form factor pcs that are maybe a little cheaper than what we're using for uh currently um and get some pro players to field them out and see if we can find another machine that can work uh, okay um not because i want to cycle out our inventory but because you need backups right, right. at some point the, the the computers that we use now will stop being manufactured and if they break then we have a, fi a finite supply and right. we need to have something that we can replace it with um okay i'm like 
<laughs> you're getting me into like friend mode now where, yeah 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 where like i'm i'm too inside baseball i'm too too in, in inside baseball so i, I i'm gonna stop here this is That's... like not interesting for folks it's like bcx gonna be sick go to bcx.live yes. i know bcx.live yes. remember that you need to sign up on both the eventbrite and start gg to compete not one or the other you have to do both um and start gg will charge you a one dollar fee so that we make sure that you're actually a real human and not a bot or, or someone signing up just to get those rewards um there's my PSA. Do that. Awesome. Um, and I'm, I'm zip. No more. No, I got too good. comfy. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's actually, <clears throat> that's actually a good stopping point. We're a little over an hour, uh, hour in. Um, do you have anything going on, uh, that you would like to shout out other than BCX? Um, anything interesting, Brahala or not Brahala related? Uh, BCX is the main thing, uh, but definitely the Autumn Royale, October 13th and 14th. Yep. Uh, these, these have just been some of my favorite events that we've we've done. Uh, I, I, round Robin is cool. I agree. Watch, watch, watch the Royale, support the Royales, because um, they benefit a very small portion of our audience, but they're also, I think, some of the coolest things that we do with our audience. Mm -hmm. um, so watch the Royale, support the Royales. Um, yeah, that's that's it. Um, play Loki. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I was not prepared for Loki to come out today, but uh... it, it's been fun watching everyone speculate, and even oh, yeah. even you guys on your first episode of your podcast talk about ah, it's gonna come out later. He's gonna come out later. We were half I right. I was sitting there. I was I was like, we were we were half right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, but that's what makes it fun. So we can we can be wrong about things, but it's still fun to speculate. So, yeah. well, thank you for coming on, Toast. I really appreciate it. This was a great a great chat, and uh, I'm really excited for this episode to come out because this is one of the ones that I was really looking forward to doing this season. So, yeah, thanks for having me on. This is awesome. I'm glad you're doing this. I, I mean, I think I told you the other day, but like, no one's really doing this in this space, and I think it is something that is just super beneficial and, and kind of sick for it like it's awesome. good for it appreciate it thanks thanks for watching episode five of rahala origins episode six comes out next week on october 23rd our next guest is stefana fro leave a comment on youtube or tweet at me with the hashtag rahala origins to let me know your thoughts on the show if you enjoyed this and want to see more please subscribe and share don't forget to check out brawlacademy.com thanks Thank you.